Jesus Christ, Shinoda. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai and joining me tonight, I have our Wizard of Wait What, Shinoda. I'm so exhausted, but damn, the hype is still real. I know, right? And tonight, we are going to be doing a spoiler cast for Studio Trigger's first feature-length film, Promare. Now... Before we get started, I think I speak for both myself and Shinoda when I say, uh, even though when this comes out, the theatrical run in the United States will be over, uh, you should definitely go check this movie out either when it gets picked up by some streaming service like Netflix or or maybe even Crunchyroll at some point down the road, or when it comes out for a home video release, definitely pick it up if you're a fan of some of studio triggers previous works like kill a kill like uh panty and stocking like or uh like current login uh yeah, definitely little, if, little if you're known a fan. show <laughs> yeah this yeah this little you know independent pr- production called Gurren Lagann. Uh, um, definitely if you're a fan of, of of studio triggers works especially if you're a fan of Hiroyuki Imaishi's work Definitely, definitely check this out if you didn't get a chance to check it out in theaters when you can. Now, that's out of the way. Anything and everything from now on could potentially be a spoiler, so you have been warned. Um, I do, however, think that there are a couple of caveats, Shinoda, that you and I should start off with, with this uh, uh, spoiler cast. Uh, First and foremost, you and I are recording this on July 30th, 2019, Directly after Otakon, which is where you and I saw this. Yep, um, and that was one hell of an experience, let me tell you. <laughs> it, it was, it was. Uh, uh, several people from Studio Trigger were actually at the convention. I actually got to meet Hiroyuki Maishi personally. It was a great experience for me. Um, but yeah, they they also screened the movie itself uh, at Otakon, and we went to see it while we were there. However, this... Uh, this episode of the podcast won't be going out until the Monday after the premiere in September, uh, September 17th and 18th, I believe. I think I can't remember off the top of my head, but anyway, it'll, it'll be coming out the Monday after it has premiered in theaters to give people time to go see it. Um, that being said, what we saw at the premiere was obviously not the English dub, even though we know an English dub is being, uh, created for the theatrical release that's going to be like done concurrently for the theatrical release so this particular spoiler cast will not include any discussion of that english dub uh, even though we have been informed and it was also announced previously that studio trigger would be working very very closely with the production of the english dub uh, so obviously since we haven't seen it that won't be discussed here uh, also worth mentioning that there probably won't be a whole lot of discussion about things like sound design because you and I, Chinoda, saw this. We didn't see this in a theater. This was shown to us in a convention center ballroom that, let's be honest, did not have the best audio setup for screening a movie. Yeah, and uh, typically the audio setups can be uh, rather good even in uh, convention centers and such, but... When this particular they did, one was not. Yeah, when they uh showed us the movie, they 
there wasn't even audio initially. They they had to uh, yeah. go back and start it over because uh, I think someone forgot to turn on the audio or something. Someone had it on mute. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fixed very very quickly. We didn't really miss the only the only sound that we missed was in like the company logos at the beginning, yeah. which is like um, whatever. So actually, yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen Trigger's logo many times. I don't yeah. need to see it again. There is, uh, there was an unfortunate part of like, uh, there was feedback and such, uh, uh, going on in the background while while there was a lot of audio playing in the on the movie, you could you don't even hear it. It's fine, but like no. during the, the quiet moments, really, yeah, the the quiet moments where you really noticed it, but every other time you didn't. But I also don't feel that this particular audio setup is probably the right. Uh, thing to do to give it a, like a, a, a score on its sound design. I think seeing it in an actual theater on a big screen is probably the way to go with that. So I, I really don't want to talk too much about stuff like sound design in this in this spoiler cast. I, I really want to focus on things like the story and the art style and the animation. Although I think we can, I think you'll agree with uh, with me on this. Even though we uh, it wasn't the best for us, we can st- we we can still say it sounded pretty damn good. Oh yeah, for for sure. I mean, it didn't sound horrible at all. Um, I just I feel like it's not giving the movie a fair shake unless I hear it on like a professional like theater quality audio system. Oh, for sure. And we're both it, definitely it, it planning like on going for... back and seeing it in theaters. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, multiple times if I can. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, it is by no means bad. I just don't think that the setup that we had to see it with did it justice. So with those two caveats out of the way, I'm going to go into this asking you, Chinoda, Okay. What, what, if anything, did you expect going into this movie? Because we really didn't get a whole lot of information before th- we saw the movie. I mean, we had trailers and stuff, but we didn't know a whole lot about the story. We initially didn't have much at all. Then I started hearing some stuff about the fact that it's it's basically a ripoff of Fire Force, and mm. I was like, okay, uh, that sounds interesting, but we'll see how it goes. I I yeah. didn't know what really to expect except some stuff uh, that might be uh, plot related to Fire Force. So that's all I knew. I whenever I see uh movies and things like these, I try to go in pretty blind just so I can enjoy myself even more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think that's fair. I, I'm I'm a lot like you. I really didn't expect a whole lot going to this movie. I expected it to be Trigger. Um, I expected it since I knew that Hiroyuki Imaishi was directing it. I expected it to be crazy. Um, it didn't disappoint in that regard for sure. Uh, um, but uh, I, I I typically I, I tend to leave my expectations for anime movies kind of low. And I do that very specifically with movies because I just feel like it's a very different experience between watching a movie and watching a series. Um, it definitely I is. You, I think if you go into it expecting way too much, you're always going to be disappointed anyway. So I choose to just keep them low so I can be blown away more. It makes sense. If you expect either uh, something pretty bad or the worst, you can be pleasantly surprised uh, by something else. Okay, so you mentioned you mentioned the whole controversy with Fire Force. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here since you brought that up. Uh, we can come back to the animation art style a little bit later. Um, so 
as you mentioned, prior to the movie's actual release, um, it was somewhat criticized for plagiarizing the plot of the currently airing anime series Fire Force. Um, I want to kind of break down a little bit of a timeline here. Um, Fire Force, for reference, is a an anime based on a manga that uh, began airing in the summer of 2019. And, of course, uh, Premiere uh, aired very shortly, or very concurrently with that. Um, however, they do genuinely have very very similar setups um not uh, this is obviously not really a spoiler for fire force it's kind of a synopsis of the actual plot from the beginning but fire force is about a group of uh essentially firefighters who go out and uh defeat people who or you know, fight uh humans who spontaneously combust and they have these pyrokinetic abilities and there is just a lot of firefighting analogies throughout the show and throughout the story of that and premiere has a very very similar setup where there is a very cataclysmic a cataclysmic event that ends up destroying a lot of the world in the in, in the like interim of that there's a mutation that happens in human dna it spawns a new race of people in the movie they're called the burnish um I forget what are they called in fire. They have a name in Fire Force. I can't remember what it's called. Infernals. The Infernals, yes. Um, and they can basically spontaneously combust, causing a bunch of damage to people and things around them. Um, and then the the story of Premier revolves around a group of firefighters that go and fight these people who have this mutation. They're called Burning Rescue in Premier. Um, so yeah, the the. The setup is obviously very, very, very similar. Um, and I, I kind of wonder, so, uh, and this is from an article I read on Anime News Network I wanted to bring up here. Um, Hiroyuki Imaishi uh, has stated in the past, and he also stated it again during a panel at Otakon, that uh, pre-production on Promare began back in late 2013, early 2014. Uh, the mangaka who created Fire Force, who's also the same mangaka who created Soul Eater, started working on Fire Force in September or, or early sep- early 2015. So, I I kind of wonder who plagiarized whom in this. Um, and it's well, it, it it's wouldn't never be been... possible for the mangaka to uh, plagiarize uh, Promare because. There was nothing, nothing was available. Yeah, nothing at all. And I, I kind of wonder if that's what the controversy is really about because I think based on some of the stuff we saw in the um, panels that we went to, I think what the what pre-production on Premiere was was getting a bunch of character designs together with no story, and the story evolved over time. That's what I think it was. Um, and if they were searching desperately for a story, they could have very easily latched onto the story of Fire Force and sort of copied it. Um, but I also wonder, Chnode, and and I really want to know what you think about this. I wonder if this comparison between the two would even be as widely talked about now if the Fire Force anime hadn't conveniently been coming out at the same time that Premiere was finally finished. Hmm... 
Because I think if it if Fire Force had yet to get an anime adaptation, I don't really think people would be talking. They, people might be talking about it, but not as much. I think it would be more special, uh, specific parts of the community talking about it, especially mm. the ones who read manga and light novels and such. They might be yeah. talking about it, but and no offense meant to them at all. But let's be real; they don't really make too big of waves uh, in terms of anime talk. When people no. talk in our sphere, it's uh, what get what gets mentioned more and talked about more is anime over manga or light novels. So even yeah, if they I, I think... have talked about it, uh, if there wasn't an anime, like it wouldn't have made too big of a difference. Yeah, I think I think you're very very right about that. I think it, the discussion wouldn't be anywhere near as generalized as it is being with the fact that Fire Force has an anime adaptation that is currently airing. Um, but my thoughts know, on this is like, if they started working on this, uh, what six years ago? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's say let's say early 2014 because they said late 2013, early 2014. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they really started working earnest in 2014. Yeah. Um, if they started that long ago, then there's not plagiar. Uh, there's not that much plagiarizing going on, like. It's quite possible that the story did change once they, if someone at Trigger like ran into the Fire Force manga and like was like, "Hey, this seems pretty cool. Let's uh borrow a couple things uh here and there from it." it it's definitely possible. Don't get me wrong, but uh, if they really started uh, planning this out all those years ago, then the things just happen to coincide, and that that's. That's yeah. all it is. And they they are they're a bit similar. I'll definitely give it that, but at the same time they're pretty different also. Yeah. Well, I, I think the setups are almost identical, but the execution of the ideas are different. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So but so do you think the criticism itself is justified or do you think it's a little overblown? <sighs> Because I'll tell you what I think about it. I think the criticism of the similar setups is definitely justified because they are pretty much identical. But I, I think that's really where it ends. I think the execution is handled so much more differently in, in Premiere than it is in Fire Force that you can say that the, the setup is the same, but the actual plot itself is not. At least not so far from what I've seen. I will admit I have not read the Fire Force manga. I'm going only off of what is currently out with the Fire Force anime, and as as of the time of this recording, it'll be different by the time the the, the this episode premieres on you know YouTube and SoundCloud, but as of right now, there's only three episodes of Fire Force out, so I don't have a lot to judge it on. Four episodes, right? A four. Oh yeah, four episodes. Yes, excuse me. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, I'm literally on the same boat. I haven't read the manga. I don't know where the plot of Fire Force is going and how they're uh doing it. The only thing that's eerily similar is the setup, how it begins, yeah. and all that. Otherwise, they are very different. And hell, yeah. even the, even the main characters, um. Their setups are pretty different as well, is the thing. Yeah, and they also have very different, like, backstories. Yeah, without a so, doubt. Yeah, I, I think I think some of, some of that criticism is definitely justified when it comes to the setup, but I think a lot of it is kind of being overblown. And I really honestly don't think it matters, because it just... It, there's, there's a lot of other anime that have very similar setups that don't get near this much 
comparison. So I, I, I just, I really don't think it matters that much. You can, you can certainly enjoy both, which I am currently doing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Premiere, and, and so far with the Fire Force anime, I'm really enjoying it. I think, I, I hope I speak for you too, Chinoda, when we say that you should definitely give Fire Force a shot because it's really good. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I love it, and I know a lot of other people are loving it. Uh, go watch it. <laughs> All right, well let's let's get to the actual plot of this story because that's where oh my god, holy fuck. I I watched this and I don't know what the plot is really, but I don't care either. So the movie's overall plot as we have said kind of revolves around these people called the burnish who kind of spontaneously combust if they don't keep tr- control of their emotions and uh they cause widespread damage to buildings and people and the story itself revolves around a group of people whose job it basically is to go out and defeat people who kind of loot these burnish who lose control and start lighting shit on fire uh now the plot that plot itself actually i the one thing i thought about a lot while i was watching this movie is like this kind of plot would make great series uh but i think they handled it really well for what was it like an hour and 35 minute long movie i think it was two hours two and a half hours actually was it really that long yeah it was really that long because like the one hour and 51 minutes so yeah it was nearly two hours long wow yeah the movie started at like six o'clock if i remember right and Mm. The panel afterwards didn't start until like nine fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was nearly it was nearly a two hour long film. I it cer- certainly didn't feel like it when I was watching it. Um, which is that I, I personally I think it's a good thing because it means that it was so good I was so excited through the whole thing. You, you really um, couldn't tell. You could. I mean, sometimes you could tell the passage of time, but the movie is so hype. You you you're just you're captured by it you really can't tell yeah for sure um i do want to i so the first like five minutes of this movie are fucking amazing um it it expertly establishes like the the world as it is it shows you what's kind of happened in in the 30 years since the burnish appeared um it was exposition done right it was it was exposition without any actual dialogue like there was no dialogue in like the first five minutes, but you you knew exactly what was going on. Like that's how you fucking do backstory exposition at the beginning of a movie or a series. You show it, it, it's not literally tell. perfect. Don't treat your audience as just a bunch of dumb fucks. <laughs> Sorry for my language. Um, yeah, well, I mean it's true. You're absolutely right. I mean, as much as this movie was about just having a good time and being very very trigger. It never once assumed its audience was stupid. Yeah. If anything, it uh, it asks you to think about a couple things here and there. Now, it's nothing yeah. like overly complex, but they do uh, ask you to think about some things. They even uh... it's it's certainly not like monogatari levels of exposition. <laughs> <laughs> no, not nothing close to that level. No way. <laughs> But I, I thought it was it was brilliant. It, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the very beginning of Kill a Kill. How just expertly set up that was, and they didn't need a whole lot of dialogue, and it's like, all right, here's what we got. Let's go. And and it definitely helped. There's um, 
there's not too much to be done. They, they're like, this is the world. You see how it is. Let's throw you into this story specifically. Yeah. Um, and you, you, it jumps right into introducing the main characters. Uh, I, I couldn't have, I could not have asked for a better, uh, introduction to this, the characters, the setting and the plot than what we actually got in the first five to 10 minutes of this show. Uh, the, the fucking, the first action sequence in the show is absolutely perfect. I, I could not imagine it being directed any better. Um, where they're going to a high-rise fire, where a burnished fire is taking place, and they're trying to rescue as many people as possible, and that's when they first meet the main villain of this uh, movie, Leo. What was his last name? I forget. Fortia, Leo Fortia, who is the uh, leader of a terrorist band of burnish called uh, Mad Burnish, um, and. He you get in the process. You, you see him in the process of getting captured, which we later learn was uh, he kind of let himself be captured on purpose. Um, but that, that whole sequence, that whole sequence, I could not have imagined it being directed any better. And I attribute all of that to the absolute brilliance of Hiroyuki Imaishi. I seriously, I have to agree. I didn't expect it to the very first scene. I didn't expect it to be that hype or like that much going on i really wasn't and like all while introducing the main characters of the movie i was just like wow they are doing yeah. all this and it's and not just the main characters they they use they use this they use this opportunity to introduce a lot of like secondary characters as well yeah and uh, the fact that they did all that i i honestly wasn't expect them expecting them to introduce introduce us to leo until like maybe 15 to 20 minutes in no they, yeah at they least maybe a quarter of the way into the movie yeah no they introduced us him uh, very early off of course we learn why uh, they did it in that way uh, just well throughout the movie honestly but still it, it was an unexpected surprise a good one though a really good one it definitely helped out his character being introduced so early you really got to understand him throughout the whole movie because he was introduced so early as well yep something else that is established very early on is that there's going to be a lot of callbacks to previous trigger works and especially to previous works by hiroyuki imaishi uh, a good example that you that happens very very early is the fact that the i i want to call it a mech but it's not really a mech it's basically just a giant like I don't know, robotic suit that uh, the character wears. But it's a firefighting mech is essentially what it is. Um, it's called Matoi Tech. Um, obviously, that's a reference to uh, Kill a Kill's main character, Yuko uh, Matoi. Yeah. Um, everyone in the theater got a kick out of that, uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I don't know. I just I personally loved a lot of the callbacks that we got throughout this work. I mean, that was really the first time I saw a, a big callback to a previous trigger work, but um, throughout and, the, throughout the entire run of the movie, they're just peppered throughout. Yeah, and when we say peppered, we mean we they are really in there. Um, so there was a panel afterwards uh, that Trigger was talking about the movie and everything, and they said uh, to uh, to us, if you really pay attention, there are uh, references to all trigger works inside this movie and i was like holy shit yeah i see that because 
if you just like pay attention to the movie, you will see so many things that mm-hmm. are uh peppered in there. You're just like, I recognize that. And which it, is kind of why that 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 statement that he made is kind of why I'm really excited to see it again because he did say that there are genuinely references to just about every other trigger work that they've ever made and then I after he said that I'm thinking well I know I missed a couple because there were some that I didn't see so I'm really looking forward to seeing this again and keeping an eye out for all of those references and like um, uh, Easter eggs. Which uh, Easter egg did? Uh, j- just a quick thing. Which Easter egg did you like the uh, most? Was it the Matoy, or was there something else that you really liked? I can tell you exactly which one I I loved. It's toward the end of the movie when they have their giant ass pull of a mech, Deus Ex Machina. That's literally a Deus Ex Machina, and um, <laughs> and uh, what what's the little the, like the scientist character? I forget her name. Uh, the sister of uh... no 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 the the one like the inventor um God what was her name oh the old man no the inventor the little like lowly girl Daima oh, Daima that Daima. was her name yeah, yeah um she <laughs> she looks at Gallo the main character and says I modified it it has a drill <laughs> oh my and it god looks, it looks just like the drill from it literally was. It doesn't current. even just look like it. It literally was. And it, it literally looked just like it, and he uses it the exact same way. Guys, <laughs> let me tell you. When they sh- told us that and then immediately showed us that, the entire room exploded. Oh, my God. I mean, God, did you expect energy. anything else? It was did amazing. Did you expect anything else? I, I mean, that that was probably my favorite callback or reference to a previous Trigger work. And it wasn't even like some – of the, some of the callbacks were sort of subtle, but the ones like this were the ones that I loved. Um, I'm looking forward to finding out where the Easter egg for Little Witch Academia is because I certainly missed it. Uh, um, I, so I hope – that's why I really want to see it again. But, yeah. Um, I uh, – my uh, – one of my more favorite references was the – even Gellion uh, Easter egg they had in there, where um, the engine of the warp gate, where the base for it, uh, where it was uh, based on, once you saw it, you immediately recognized it as the headquarters. It looks like one of the angels. <laughs> no, it was the headquarters uh, from Even Gellion. It was. It was, but it also looked like one of the angels. Yeah, so it, it was uh, a two-in-one reference, but still, it, it was really great. And I was like, hey, I love that. <laughs> I, I really can't wait to go back and see it, because I, I'm going to be looking for the references next time I go uh, see this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I could talk about these uh, callbacks all day. I mean, suffice to say, I think both myself and Huge Note and everybody in that room who was a Trigger fan very much appreciated these callbacks. And I don't really think most of them serve really any other purpose than fan service for Trigger fans. It, it That's all it literally was. It was just fan service for those who know. And it's great. If you don't know, it doesn't matter too much because it's like it's just part of the movie but if you actually know about it it's a reference for you it's an easter egg and it's even 
better because and of that. And let's be honest. I mean, that's the, the whole purpose of Easter eggs are typically because of fan service. Yeah, exactly. It's for those people who are just a higher fan. That That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, as the story goes on, obviously, we get um, – the the main villain and the main uh character Gallo and Leo Gallo just that that name just makes me laugh some internally every time I say it because you just add one L to it and it becomes the Spanish word for Brewster, <laughs> um, which is even more funny because his hair looks like a rooster's crown. I just I uh. I, I I really hope that was the intention behind choosing that name. I really really do. Um, even though I doubt it, but then again, this is trigger. So who, who knows? Um, um, but as the story goes on, uh, they find out that they kind of have a common enemy in Cray foresight, um, who is basically like, what, how the fuck can I describe Cray foresight? Um, he's basically your textbook definition of a mustache twirling villain. I mean, is that fair? Uh, I think he's a little bit above that, honestly. Like, you think he's more subtle than that? Uh, just a bit. I, like, you. Can... I think that okay, okay. When when he's kind of hiding in his like mask of you know being a civilized human being, I would say yeah, he's more subtle than that. But once the mask falls off, he becomes a textbook mustache twirling villain. Yeah, I mean, oh, even still, towards the end of it, uh, he wasn't doing anything for necessarily evil reasons he was just trying to still look out for people and such so i would he was say... doing the wrong thing but for the right reasons yeah so i would say he's uh different in that way he he it truly wasn't for like evil reasons or anything he was just trying to do what he can to ensure the survival of uh people but yeah he, he just I went about it that... in the best way he thought possible which wasn't which I could see why great. it's the logical way. Honestly, I can I can very realistically see why he did it. And like, if you think about it uh, correctly, it's what he did was right. Like everything that that came out in the wrong. end uh, was just by chance. If it, if if that didn't show up at all, then it just what he did uh, would have uh, ensured their survival. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, his plans seemed to actually be working. Um, it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do, but it seemed to be a plan that worked with, you know, capturing the Burnish and using them to fuel a spaceship. Um, the plan logically was kind of consistent and seemed to work. It just wasn't the right thing to do. It certainly wasn't the ethical thing to do. Oh, it wasn't at all, but when you're in a situation like that... Uh... Ethics, uh, ethics are questionable at best. Yes. Um, so, and, and then toward the end, we get... <sighs> now, there was one uh, person that was a rather mustache-twirling villain. And, like, the moment you saw him, you, you're just like, wow, this, this guy, he couldn't be any more obvious of a villain if if you tried you you really you really couldn't uh mistake him like you see him and his character his entire character design is just bad guy are you talking about vulcan i am indeed talking about vulcan (laughs) 
I I love him. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love him. He he's so over the top, and he, God, I love Vulcan. He, I, he's I one love, of my favorite I love characters. The fact- I love the fact that the end, when his armor gets knocked off, you find out he's just a really small man inside there. Even that's a reference to something else, if I remember right. I can't remember what exactly. But I, I just thought that was fucking hysterical when he when he got his his body got knocked out of the armor and he realized he's just a really short, scrawny man in a giant suit. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was pretty great. Um, yeah, he definitely is. A mustache twirling villain for sure. I mean, all he cares about is you know doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Um, so as as the plot of the movie wraps up, we get what can only be described as an ass pull of all ass pulls in the plot. Um, where basically the the main characters come across this buried base, I guess you would call it, underneath yeah. a frozen lake. That a the main character base. just happened, yeah. The, the main character just happened to go to all the time and never notice anything under there, um, and they find out that Crave Foresight was involved in basically a murder plot to just gain power and prestige for himself. Like that's really the only reason he did it. And this other guy, um, whose uh, name briefly escapes me, it was uh, oh, fuck. The um, scientist dude, uh, uh, Prometh was that his name? Yes, I think that was his name, Deus Prometh. Um, yeah, that's his name, Deus Prometh. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, basically says that he was he was killed by Crave Foresight, and in the interim, he's been designing this giant fucking mech to <laughs> to go fight against. Crave foresight to stop him from what he's trying to do because uh, reasons and um they even they even like acknowledge the ass pullery of this whole plot development within the movie because one of the characters asks as uh, this computer like recreation of this why us? character who's dead <laughs> why why us and he's like oh no reason uh, you're like, you're not special or anything and you then literally they ask the just fell question. into here and it just happened by chance that's literally it yeah it could have been and then anyone they ask the, uh, and then they asked the obvious follow-up question well what would have happened if no one had come here and the uh, the legitimate like who uh, response was meh i guess the earth would have just been destroyed <laughs> I, I love that the movie is very planning. blatant about it. It's like, no, there, there isn't is very... anyone like special or out there. No, if if this thing didn't happen by chance, everything would have gone to shit. Yeah, the movie is very blatant about the fact that this is an asshole. So much, so much so that they actually go out of their way to like tell you it's an asshole. But that's what made it so enjoyable. Oh my god! It's certainly what it is. It is. Um. I, I, no, there's no question that the whole ass pullery at the end is completely deliberate, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, because at the end of the day, there's a, there's a phrase for what this movie is. At the end of the day, it's what's known as a popcorn flick. You don't go to it for deep probing dialogue. You don't go to it for, uh, like, cosmic questions you you see this movie to have a good time that's what premiere is for it's literally only exists to have a good time watching something on screen and i think it accomplishes that 
perfectly. And that scene that I just mentioned where they had the giant ass pull that's acknowledged by the cast is proof positive of that. It really is. Um, it, it's not a life-changing experience or anything like that, I'll be honest. But if, if it's, it's just there for if you're a fan of Trigger... Like, you're going to go and enjoy the shit out of this movie. That That's what it's there yeah, for. Absolutely. Which which leads me to believe that at the end of the day, this entire movie was just a love letter to Trigger fans. I believe that, but is that would you say that's true, Chinoda? I would absolutely 100% say that's literally all it is. It's just a love letter. And it's a love letter that is happily received by us fans. Because holy shit. (laughs) I mean, I've said it on the podcast many, many times. I'll say it again. I'm a trigger whore. I love just about everything they've made except Keys Niver, but we don't talk about that. Um, Even geniuses have bad days. Um, And I, I think that you were saying it right after the movie because you look, you po- you looked at me and you, and you pointed to the screen and you're like, "Did Trigger really out trigger themselves?" And I think, yeah, they did. I mean, I I think that what you saw in this movie was just a way to have fun and a way for Imaishi to show just how creatively he can create a popcorn flick. Although to be fair, if you had the popcorn, you wouldn't be eating it because your jaw would just be open the whole time, like holy on the floor. Fuck. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, and also at the very end, in true trigger fashion, where does this movie end up? Space. Yeah, literally. Like, I don't think even. No, it's like halfway into the movie. Uh, that's when they first started mentioning space, and when that came up, I know. I looked to my left. And looked at Alex, and I, uh, and I just like signaled to him, space. like space, like they always go to space, and he just like gave a little laugh, and we were both just like, oh my god, like I think both of us were ex- somewhat expecting space to come at some point, but the but when point, they did though, do it, I have to say this, I have to say this, okay. at this point when I watch anything by Studio Trigger. I, my my initial question I have whenever I start anything is how are they getting to space? It's honestly fair at this point that they, they've repeatedly shown they are very much forced for it, and I, I it, it always works. God damn it, it always works. Like it always makes well, except for I don't know how how much sense it made in Darling the Franks, but at least they kind of tried to make it work. <laughs> um, but I just. I, it, it never fails. Even Little Witch Academia ended up in space, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that Trigger out-triggered themselves definitely with this movie. Imaishi out-Imaishi'd himself. Which was damn impressive. Like, I didn't... <sighs> it's it's literally, like, the first thing I said once the movie was over. Just like, how the fuck did they just out-trigger themselves? And, you know, it's it's funny because there's so many trigger works, especially works by Imiishi, like, uh, well, most nerdi- notably Gurren Lagann, which I think you can draw a lot of parallels to the main character of this movie, Gallo, with Kamina. Um, not just with his design, but with his personality, too. Um, in that I think they're both examples of... We, we, there's so much talk these days about, like, toxic masculinity, which is... It just makes me cringe every time I see it. But I think Imaishi has, like, figured out a formula for what positive masculinity can look like. 
And he makes male main characters that just exemplify that ideal. He really does. And that that makes it really great because it's like these are just like good and positive characters without like hor- uh, some horrible or distasteful taste that you can just look up to or just really enjoy. And, and I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Um, as you and I have stated, I mean, this is not uh, there's there's no story here that's going to change your life. There's no there's no like big cosmic questions that are being asked or answered. There's no there's no really great even twist in the movie uh, at all, really, except finding at the end that Cray Foresight is one of the burnish. I really kind of wasn't expecting that, but at the same time, I kind of was. Like um, we saw a hint to something, we didn't know exactly what sometime in the movie we just didn't know what it was because we saw his hand glowing but it yeah that secret wasn't revealed until like the very end and that was a huge surprise that's really the only twist that's in the movie i mean this this story is just fun and i think you know we talk we talk on the podcast all the time about having really strong stories good writing and stuff and that's all very well and good for dramatic and um serious uh, animes s- yes but it's not always necessary stuff. it's not always no, necessary. It's sometimes not. you just need to sit down have fun have a good time and that's all that's needed and this provides that and i'll tell you what trigger is becoming really good at that because I, I'll be honest, I love Trigger's work, but I wouldn't say that any of it is particularly serious or life-impactful. But at the end of the day, a vast majority of Trigger's work is just fun to watch. Yeah. And this this film is no different. Um, I think it's it's this... The, Premiere was just 100% bottled Trigger, is what it was. Uh, no, no, no. You're saying bottle trigger. I would say it's more like uh, if trigger was made out of cocaine, and you just like. Uh, oh God. Oh. Okay, my God. I wasn't gonna go for the drug reference, but since you've gone for it, I will agree with you. Listen, it <laughs> um, was pure an adulterated trigger, and oh my God. See, you're so excited, you can't even get the words out. <laughs> Speaking of right. watching, though, shall we talk about its animation and art style? Yeah. It was I, 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 I want I, I, I want to yeah I, I want to wrap this up with talking about some of the more um uh, uh technical aspects of the production so we'll start out with the animation art style they went with a very very unique cell shaded art style with copious amounts of CGI um I think first of all can, can we talk about the CGI that was utilized first okay. um, I think certainly I certainly think the CGI that went, when it was used in this movie definitely suited the cell shaded art style. Um, I think that I don't I don't know because I'm not an animator, but I think it's probably easier to do a 3D animation with a cell shaded art style. Don't quote me on that. As I said, I'm not an animator, but I think that the art style they went with made the CGI look better. It it was such a unique and interesting style to do it in, and because of that, it definitely helped. I really. Initially, I was really put off by it because, like, it looks so basic and like, just low production. I was initially like, yo, this is, like, yeah, this doesn't look when good. I, well, but when, once when you I keep first on saw watching, key, when I, yeah, go ahead. Well, when, I fir- when I first saw key art for it, I was a little concerned. I'm like, this is very, very different from the rest of your work. Are you sure you want to do this? 
and then like you keep on watching you you're like it's trigger and like we'll see how it goes you keep on watching and the art style you don't even notice it anymore after like five ten minutes in you're just captured by it and you don't even pay attention you soon realize holy shit this this looks beautiful and how it's done is great it's a very different style sure but it looks fantastic i've i've seen a lot of shows done in the same uh style and everything with the cgi uh cell shaded all that and uh, there's a lot of them that just look terrible i'll be honest a lot of them that just look horrifying well yeah i i would honestly say there's there's a greater proportion of cgi and animated looks bad than looks good yeah but them they they balanced it so beautifully that i didn't even notice anything i was just captured by it all yeah i i certainly think that we we saw we saw enough good cgi and and good effects work within this to say that they definitely they definitely pulled off their animation well and i would also argue that they pulled off the using the cell shaded art style very well and also like the the pastel colors that they went with for everything it was it was just it was a really it was a departure from Trigger's work but also at the same time I wasn't surprised by it. I'm gl- I certainly wasn't put off by it. I'm glad they used such a variety of colors. It wasn't just like a generic shade of whatever to uh throughout the anime. No, it was it was a rainbow of colors. I really appreciated yeah. that. Like it was yeah. beautiful. And that also, I think, played into the character designs that they went with because if, a lot of the character designs draw heavily on previous characters from Trigger anime. Obviously, the main character, Gallo, is reminiscent, very reminiscent of Kamina from Gurren Lagann, which technically isn't a Trigger work, but most of the people that ended up going to Trigger worked on Gurren Lagann. Um, um, what was the uh, fucking... I f- keep forgetting her name. The girl that the... Uh, the the lowly infant thyma thyma, thyma. Yeah. um she kind of reminded me a lot of mako from kill a kill <laughs> um, wait are you talking there... about thyma or uh lucia no i'm talking about thyma the the like the young girl that really um i keep calling her inventor girl because she was the one that kept coming up with Here, the different tools that they l- used. look in uber conference real quick uh, Okay, thank you for telling everyone what we use. Um, yes, that person. Yeah, Lucia. Oh, I thought her name was Thyma. I'm, Never mind. Look at the thing anyway. it says, uh, Lucia. Anyway, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Um, yeah, she reminded me a lot of Mako, like her personality and everything. Um, and uh, I just, I think the character designs that they went with really suited the art, the, the cell shaded art style. It did, it did, and um, honestly, she was one of the better-looking characters of the whole show, and she was just a side character is the surprising thing. Oh, and also, uh, the what was the rat's name? I forget. I don't remember. I, I honestly... Vinny. Vinny. <laughs> Vinny was the rat's name. It's definitely, definitely a callback to Buta from Gurren Lagann. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like, that's all that little rat was. I'm honestly a bit sad about the fact that we didn't get to see even more of the side characters and such because, like, I honestly yeah. could have spent, oh. like, a extra 20 minutes easily with those just learning about them and all that. 
that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the, toward the beginning of this. Like, I was really thinking when this, as this movie kept going on, I'm like, this would really work as a series, you know? It really we would. We'd probably get more backstory and background stuff on the other characters. Um, obviously, I, I'm pretty sure with the way it ended, we won't get any kind of a sequel for this. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just, just going to be a standalone project of Triggers. And. Trigger obviously has a history of not going back to things that they've done in the past, except for Inferno Cop Season 2, which we will apparently never get. Um, maybe one day. I might be 50 years old, but we'll finally get Inferno Cop Season 2. Um, also, I, I do want to talk briefly about the mech designs that were used in the very end. Um, very good, I'd say. Um, I like the fact that um, uh, Leo just uses like his burnished powers to change the actual outward design of the mech on command. That was interesting. It, it was really unique, and I, I but I really like that. The the guy professor- was like, I can't fight in this. It looks so basic. <laughs> He's like, I can't. I just don't have the motivation. He's a very aesthetic person. I really appreciate that. He's a he's artistic. I, I I love that. And he's like, I can't I can't get myself to like get going in this. And Leo is just like, oh, okay. Uh, how about if I do this then? And Gala just goes like, yeah, yes. that's what I'm talking about, my boy. Yes, <laughs> it's it's like, it's, he's, he he changes it and it looks all badass, and he's like, "My PP is now hard." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I and I I think the choreography of that mech fight between those uh, between uh, Gallo Leo and Crave Foresight was really well executed. The the character interactions and like. It's again, it started right off the beginning of the movie, and that helped so heavily because you got to change and look at the characters. You, you just got to live their lives with them uh, throughout the whole movie and like go through what they go through. And I found that really wonderful. Like, you, you just you, yeah. you got to rock with them. I like that. I really do. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, well, let, let's wrap this up with talking about something else, that another um, technical part that I think was done really, really well, and that is the soundtrack. Um, oh, my God, Hiroyuki Sawano's soundtrack, fucking orgasmic throughout the whole thing. Every piece, every song just literally fit perfect into the action or whatever happened to be going on in the scene. Even the quiet... Uh, quiet moments with the quiet music was really, really well executed, I thought, and really just really well done. They they did it wonderfully, and I couldn't have asked for more. If I remember right, like there was at least a solid straight hour of soundtrack available, and that's that's amazing. Yeah, and I, I got to give special props to uh, the... Uh, what is essentially, I guess, the theme song Inferno, which plays at, toward the very beginning of it, um, during when, when they go out on that first uh, firefighting mission. Um, the, the lyrics are great. It, it, it's all in English. All, all the there's like I think three songs in the soundtrack that have lyrics. All of them are in English. Um, I thought they were done really, really well. They suited the action. Just perfectly. Hideyuki Sawano is a genius. At some point, I want to do an, an entire episode about his music on the podcast because he's just that great. Every, th- every single soundtrack he has ever done has been absolutely perfect. I, 
is there anything else to say about this except that the fucking music is so good? It it was amazing. I can't wait until like I can buy it because I I honestly will. It, it, it oh really? That... Well, lucky you, you can. Wait, is it already out? <laughs> it actually they released the soundtrack before the movie came out. Oh shit. Yo, uh, so the whole thing is out now. I don't know exactly what platforms it is available on outside of Japan. Um, I know that if you have a Japanese iTunes account, you can get it. I uh, I'm I'm hurting after Otakon, but once I once I get a little moolah back, I'm uh I'm be getting a new soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really good. It's worth buying if you can find like if you want to find a. a physical copy of it it's definitely worth buying um i think they actually had a couple at otakon for, to, for purchase but um they were probably gone pretty quick uh <laughs> yeah i mean th- th- there's nothing else need to be said it's hiroki Suwano. everything he's ever really worked on has just been perfect and premiere was no exception the soundtrack was was as close to perfection as i think a soundtrack can be for an anime movie also this is i believe the second time he's worked on a um a studio trigger uh done a studio trigger soundtrack um and the, yeah it is it is only the second time he's worked with studio trigger on a soundtrack the only other time was kill a kill um and we see how good that was oh alex so I, the, I just the, realized the, 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 hold on hold on okay. hold on the, the 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 moral of this story is that here yuki Sawano to just do all the music for studio trigger from now on <laughs> I I wouldn't complain. I I really wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, what were you gonna say? Uh, something we actually didn't. We forgot to put on the dock. What you uh? What do you think of the Fujoshi moment? Oh God. Okay, I want to say <laughs> that I was gravely disappointed in everyone in the fucking theater around me when I saw this. <laughs> you fucking Fudanshi and Fujoshi cunts. <laughs> Listen, it was not it was not a fucking lovey-dovey moment. This was a moment of a man trying to save another man's life. Fuck all of you that were like, "Oh my god, the gay is strong." Obviously, that's literally all it was. Okay, uh so for context and all that, um if you already well, seen they, the movie. Yeah, the con- okay, yeah, yeah, I would hope they've seen the movie if they made it this far in the spoiler cast. Um when uh Le- when Leo uh, is basically burned, uh, burned out, and his uh, fire is essentially used up, what little uh, he gave to Gallo, um, Gallo was like, "Okay, you s- you told me the fire can uh, revive you guys. Uh, here, here's what you gave me back." And he uh, kissed him uh, uh, using mouth to mouth. Didn't kiss him. Yeah. Didn't kiss him. Okay. Okay. He he gave it back to him using mouth to mouth, which does involve kissing someone yes. in a way. Now I, I, I'm just gravely disappointed in all of you <laughs> out there who watch this movie and think that's a Every- gay moment. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> like I'm a fucking Fudanshi, and even I'm like, no, no, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Let me tell you when when me and all the other Fujoshi in the room. Saw that we started screaming like a bu- pack of rabbit hyenas. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but yeah, um, so uh, to wrap this up, I, I want to ask you, Chinoda, uh, numerical score out of ten. What are you giving this? 
Oof. Oh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. I give it a nine out of ten. Um, I gave it the exact same score I gave both Gurren Lagann and Kill a Kill. Damn, a straight nine, nine. Why a nine? I feel like I just enjoyed it so much. Um, I, I've become like just become an enormous admirer of Hiroyuki Imaishi's work. Um, I, I think that he understands what it takes to make something that is. It may not be deep or probing, but it's certainly damn enjoyable. Um, and for someone like me who's getting older and kind of appreciates more deep and impactful stories, the fact that he can still make something like this that's irreverent and crazy and I can still enjoy it as though I'm a 10-year-old, I appreciate that a lot. Okay, I that that's solid reasoning. Um, for me, the reason it's a 8 out of 10 and like not a 9 or something, it's because like... There were so many things, like the whole movie was just obvious. The whole plot, everything was blatant and obvious. Like you, if you're like a seasoned watcher of anime or anything at all, really, like even if you read stuff or watch shows, whatever, you you typically learn uh, plots and you can see how you learn to see how things will fold out what will happen, what characters will die. You basically learn uh, how to call stuff out way before it happens. And I could do that with the whole movie so easily. I was just like, Leo's gonna turn turn out to be a good guy just fighting for what's right. Um, Cray Foresight, definitely bad guy, even though you can't tell yet. Just like... Stuff like that, you, you can tell really, really, really easily um, that about the movie, and that's that's like one of the reasons why it's not a higher score for me. It it, it was just way mm. too obvious for me. Okay, but I mean, again, still, that's, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, and even with that, don't get me wrong, I love the shit out of the movie. I'll still, I'm yeah. g- definitely gonna go back and watch it again. When I purchase a movie, I'm gonna sit my friends down. I'm gonna watch it with them. Like it's one of those movies. I definitely enjoy it. It's not life changing, but hell yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It gives me that feeling of being a ten year old in a candy store again, and it's very rare that a piece of entertainment can make me feel that way. Yeah. So I greatly appreciate it. Th- that's if a the lot plot of had what made Trigger a little more do. sense. Yeah. If the plot had made a little more sense, I might have actually given this a ten out of ten. Oof, oof, that would. But be... other than that, I I just think like like you say, it's it's in, insanely enjoyable. It's it's great, uh, it's great fun, and it's just a hell of a time. Um, Trigger, by God, you've done it again. <laughs> Trigger, you did it again. <laughs> we were not bamboozled. <sighs> and I think with that, we will wrap up this spoiler cast for premiere um thank you all out there for joining us we hope you enjoyed listening to it because we always enjoy bringing this kind of stuff to you if you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast you can find us on youtube soundcloud itunes and spotify if you want to keep up with what we're doing you can join us on discord facebook twitter and our website shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you would like to see us talk about in the future links to all of these things will be down below in the description as always i have been your host alex and i will see you next time say goodnight Shinoda. 
Row, row, fight the power. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Hey, Shinoda. Yeah. You know how you were mentioning that Premiere was not like life changing or anything? Uh, yeah. Do you know what Premiere wasn't? What was it not? It was not a brand new animal. Oh. oh!